Well, it looks like it's about that time. Time for another edition of the Brian Oak Show podcast. In this case, episode 217. It's not like we restart the season and do 12 of them. We've done, this will be the 217th time we've sat down to talk to a local artist, influencer, baker, sculptor, religious or political figure, author. It never really seems to be the same show twice, even though we've had guests back on several occasions. And it's always a good time to sit down, hear a little music, have a little conversation, and learn a little bit more about the town that we live in, which, by the way, right now is in one of those deep, deep, deep freezes. Now, it's been going up and down, right? Like, all of a sudden, it's 32 degrees, and it feels like we're in Orlando. And then, all of a sudden, like last night, or actually this morning, when I got out to my car, and I you know, I leave for the radio show very early in the morning, a little before 5 a.m., and when I turned on the car, even though it's a new vehicle, right? Yeah. It made that noise, that... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was mad. And I'm like, look, I don't like this either, all right? But we Come both on, have buddy. work to do. Come on, pal. There we go, girl. You can do it. Uh, and it did turn over. I mean, again, it's only like two years old, but it was not happy because it was negative 19 outside with a wind chill of negative 30 this morning. And again, that's I know it sounds like, oh, sick brag, Minnesotan. But I mean, that is a different level. That's surface of the moon cold, right? Like, I mean, there were spots on Mars this morning that were warmer than it was out in front of my house. Yeah, a friend of mine always posts the Antarctic temperature, uh-huh. and we were 19 degrees colder than Antarctica at the Which, time. But again, I, I still am a firm believer that there's nowhere I'd rather live because I don't mind that cold. You buy a good jacket, you have the right gear, make sure you're, you're suited up and prepared. I always have like all the extra supplies in the vehicle because I grew up a Boy Scout, and you just it, you have to be prepared for it, right? Because if you walk out in the summer when you walk out, and it's 95 degrees and humid, and you sweat, and you're stupid, and you're like, it, it's fine. If you, just, if you fall over in the grass, you're not going to die. If you stop paying attention for 10 minutes in weather like that this morning yeah you're fucking dead <laughs> you are dead and it's over so i kind of like the sharpness the clarity the focus yes. that that sort of weather breaks plus once you go through a winter that even if it's not like that for months on end when you're experiencing that then when it pops back up to 30 you're like this is delightful you don't zip up your coat everything's nope. great hats off and then when, are off. when spring rolls around oh it's like the Garden of Eden, man. I mean, it's like, and so having perspective, it's why California's all fucked up, man. It's always nice out there and something wrong with those people. I'm Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm looking forward to the warm up again. Well, I mean, it's going to keep going up and down. I saw over the weekend, we're going to see highs in the 30s and then by Monday, a high of two degrees again. So welcome to Minnesota and welcome to GD climate change. (laughs) Here we are in the Smart Start MN studio located in both the beautiful and historic neighborhood of 48th and Chicago in South Minneapolis, an area that you and I both live very nearby. And we love this town. We love this part of town, but we love everything about Minnesota, which is why we have so many Minnesotans on to join us and do what we do. And before we check in with today's guest, who I think I first saw live on a stage not to date both of us too badly, but 1983 or 4, I'm going to be honest, I can't quite remember the first time I saw the clams, but Cindy Lawson is our guest, and we're going to be talking to her about you know, life, times, everything, but especially the new EP and what the current looks like and what the immediate future looks like, and to hear some very cool new music from somebody who's been making music for a good long time. Before we get there, though, I do want to say a quick note and a quick thank you um, to Smart Start MN. They are the ones who started us out. We couldn't have gotten off the ground without their initial support. Having not heard episode one and somehow, Sean, 217 episodes in, you've managed to not piss them off so badly that they've left. It's kind of shocking. It is, really. That I haven't angered them to the level of just like, you know what? We can't do this anymore. Given your sort of antagonistic, some would even say xenophobic take on things, it's hard to... (laughs) I'm joking, of Cindy's course. Like, Why? Why Cindy's like, he? whoa, 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 where, what did I, I don't know. No, I wouldn't. Uh, but my thanks to them for sticking with us throughout all of this, thick and thin, up and down, everything that this podcast has been through, and that we've all been through over the last two years. A weird time to start a show. Smart Start MN, they are part of Minnesota's Ignition Interlock System. In fact, they were there at its founding. They they helped craft it with the state of Minnesota. The basis is this. You get in trouble. You get a DUI. You are going to lose your license. And that's it. Now, how are you going to get back in your car? Well, you could jump through all the hoops and you could wait for literally months and months and months or buy 
exploring the inter, uh, interlock ignition technology, you could be back in your car far sooner and for far less money than you might otherwise expect. Yeah, just go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock machine. 217 episodes into the Brian Woo! Oak Show and... <laughs> You know, I know that you thought early on that this was basically going to be the Queens of the Stone Age show. That I, I was did gonna, think that. Of course, I totally you did. thought that, and that was a reasonable assumption yes. because that is my band, right? I have played them maybe a total of a half I dozen times. I can't even times. believe you're, you've really been maybe, able to, Maybe five or six times, right? I'm really proud of you, buddy. Well, I'm really I, proud of you. appreciate that. Thanks, man. <laughs> I've been working. I've been talking to my therapist. You know That's how it good. is. That's good. Um, but I am going to play just one right taste. here. Just in, a taste. in fact, just a little bit. Just just give me a little bit, John. Just a little bit, man. I'll be cool. I promise. I'll it's be good, cool. Fine. Um, we did start out with one of their songs to kick the show <laughs> off. And here is going to be Queens of the Stone Age about... Uh, three and a half years ago, Elton John and Bernie Taupin, arguably two of the most successful singers, songwriters, performers, etc. However you want to describe their relationship uh, in all of Western music history in the rock and roll era, they put out this double tribute album. Now, and tribute albums are tricky, man, because sometimes, unless you're an Uber fan, you're like, yeah. <laughs> It can be it can be a tough go, right? Even if someone loves someone, doesn't mean they're articulating the voice the same way you heard the voice. Well, they did a double album release at the same time. One was all country stuff, and that was sort of artists chosen by Bernie Taupin. The other one was called Revamped, and these were artists that John or Elton John had chosen himself. And it's an exceptional tribute album. Now, granted, we're dealing with some of the most beautiful source material in the last sixty years, right? But it still takes a great artist to properly articulate what that vision was what that voice was and the final song on that revamped album which I cannot recommend highly enough not just the song but the entire album was done by Queens of the Stone Age here's their take (laughs) on Goodbye Yellow Brick Road on the Brian Oak Show
Is it better than the original? Absolutely not. Very, very, very <laughs> few cover songs are better than the original. Is it a worthy tribute? Hell that yeah. I, that was beautiful, man. I mean, when you take the aesthetics that queens bring to their songs, which, by the way, is very, very head, headphone adjacent. I, I cannot recommend queens without a good, serious pair of over-ear headphones. But when you bring their aesthetic to that quality songwriting and execution and working off the original structure, I just, I absolutely adore that. Maybe this is finally, two years in, going to turn into the Queens of the Stone Age podcast. Well, if it's like that, that was really cool because they didn't, they didn't try to do it too much differently, but they added their own flavor. Yeah. Because I, I get annoyed when it goes way too far, or if they try to sound exactly like the other artists. It's like, well, I already heard that when the other artist did it. Good example of what you're talking about yeah. there, when Weezer decided it would be very ironic and cool oh, to no, cover no, Africa. No, 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 now, no. First of all, I hated that piece of garbage no. when it first came out in 1983, <laughs> 84. But then for them to do a note-for-note note refutation of it where nothing sounds different, and you know, if it was on in the background, you wouldn't be able to tell who was doing it. Uh, that, that actually mess, that, that pisses me off more than someone messing with the original. Yeah too much yes i'm brian that's sean it's the brian oak show podcast we should say hello to cindy lawson hi cindy lawson hi how are hi. you very nice to be here thank you i'm i think i'm finally warm now okay good well just I mean, thought out you are a diminutive person and so <laughs> the cold can be perhaps a little whereas sean and i have been working on years of walrus, swarthy swarthy men <laughs> Years of walrus-like blubber to to keep us warm during this piercing cold. You are fit and small, and so I'm sorry. Do you do you like this weather at all, or do you hate living Um, here? I. You can be honest. I and I. I, It's only one or the other, though. You can't go anywhere. Okay, here's the thing. I I had my therapist appointment this afternoon. Oh yeah. We're not interrupting that, are we? No, 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 no. Okay. No. Part two. But I am... Are you fresh out of therapy right now? Yeah. Oh, look at that. We're wide open. What we talked about, what we talked about was being comfortable with the gray, being comfortable with kind of this is true, but then this is also true, hmm. um, which is something that for a lot of my life, I was like, don't like that, write it off. Don't like you, write it off. Yep. Don't... And and now, at my tender age of 60, just turned 60 in October. Oh, well, happy recent birthday to you. Thank you. Um, getting to the point where I'm comfortable with, with the gray. I'm comfortable with not having all the answers. I'm comfortable with not, with, with knowing that there's so much more to know. Yeah. But um, to answer your question... I feel like a badass for living in Minnesota when the wind chill can be, you know, 30 below this morning, Antarctica. Exactly. So I feel like a badass. And and there was a time when I would go running in this weather. Let's see. Now that that's to me, that's like masochistic. (laughs) I I don't that that sounds like too much. I'll wear a warm coat. and I'll go out in it. But like intentionally running and. And sucking that frigid, deep, piercing air like little tiny icy knives into your lungs. Yeah, I guess you do but, feel like a badass. But you, you just have this sense of from from this moment where I'm freezing to death and I'm running, my heart is pounding. Yeah. Everything is cake after this, mm-hmm. you know. And you're pushing yourself to that to that boundary. And going, you know, if I can take this, I can take anything. Are you, you know, a first? Bring it on. Are you like first thing out, like first thing in the morning runner, or do you run when you can? No, or? I haven't. Um, my, you know, legs and knees, you know, won't let me run. Yeah. Uh, lately, but I do. I do like the get up in the morning and exercise. You know, either yoga or some high intensity workout. You know, and I feel like walking down two flights of stairs <laughs> to my shower is about all the calisthenics I need in the morning. And I know that that'll come back. It's easy to be glib right now, but later on, when my health fails me, I'll be like, "Shit, should listen to people like Cindy." But you know, it's it's it. You, you get it out of the way. Then you're not fully awake. Yeah. You get it out of the way. You don't have to make time later in your day because I used to exercise later in the day and which is also 
you know, kind of interesting because then you you take everything that you took on that day and you kind of throw it, yeah. you know. But exercise can also be like coffee, right? Like if you make it the first thing you do in the day, there's a level of alertness and awareness that maybe you'll be tired later on. Mm-hmm. But then otherwise, you, I mean, a lot of people sleepwalk through the first portion of their day because that's what it's like when you get up early, right? And yeah. so that's the value. The thing you were saying about gray, dealing with those areas of gray, Sean will attest to this, and anybody who's ever followed me on social media anywhere, one of my very, very, very favorite sayings, and I've said it thousands and thousands of times, is that the universe seeks a balance, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, there are always going to be good days, there are always going to be shit days, there are always going to be things you're like, "Eh, that could be better, but you know what? It could also be a lot worse than it is. Mm -hmm. Like you said, finding the balance, finding the middle ground, and finding a comfort in that gray, to me, that also is sort of the best part of getting older because I'm not mm-hmm. that far behind you. <laughs> the older you get, and I don't mean to be glib about this either, and I think, Sean, you'll agree with this since you just crossed over another a major I, milestone. I did. I did. Um, the older you get, and again, it doesn't mean that you disregard the thoughts of others, but the older you get, it's so much easier to give not even one mi- micro iota shit about what other people think. I mean, you know what I mean? You just you get you get more comfortable in your own skin because there's not really an option and you start to realize what is important, what isn't important and let other people stamp and rage and rend their garments and gnash their teeth and you just you you slide into a more comfortable sense of knowing. At least that's been my experience. Is that kind of what you're saying about getting comfortable with the gray? Yeah. Yeah, getting comfortable with the gray, realizing, it, this sounds so hokey, so excuse me. Welcome to the Brian Oak Show. That, That's all we do here. That, <laughs> all we do is hokey. That happiness <laughs> is a choice. Yeah. And, We're the architects of our own yeah, enjoyment. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Before we get too much further, because we do have to hear some music soon, for people who are not familiar with the rather impressive legacy of Cindy Lawson, we're going to do a very brief early on stage where are you from where were you born okay i was born in bayport uh which is right south of stillwater right mm-hmm. not bayfield which is uh across from madeline island okay. which everybody immediately thinks of bayfield right um born in 1961 uh had siblings that were 10 12 and 13 years older than myself oh my so god i mean so they were in the teeth up, of the hippiness yes Grew up listening to, when I was little and in grade school, listening to the Supremes and the Beatles Mm -hmm. and Herman's Hermits and all those great songs. And then, of course, in the 70s, when I was, you know, later grade school and high school, AM radio was my thing. All of just pop, pop radio, Linda Ronstadt, Elton John. Just, I mean, Elton John. And Linda's one of my favorite voices of all time. So, oh my God. Yes. So, just completely pop. Um, Anyway, moved to Minneapolis, went to Children's Theater School um, in 78. That's when I kind of got that taste of, you know, was was able to sneak in and see the suburbs at the Longhorn. I was underage. right. Um, but you also got that taste of being on stage. I mean, at some point, mm-hmm. being a performer and being a writer, yep. th- I mean, that's a specific bug. That's not for everybody. M- the vast majority of people, whether they have to do public speaking or performing on stage, are paralyzed. Was it children's theater where you got bit by that particular bug, or was it earlier um, on? I had done theater. I had done high, uh, theater in high school and then started to do community theater here in Minneapolis. I started to come to the Twin Cities and audition and do community theater in the Twin Cities. And then uh, through someone there, they said, you should, you should, um, you should apply and go to children's theater. So I did that for my senior year. Excellent. So then apparently, though, fell in at some point with the wrong crowd because now yeah, here, exactly. you, you, <laughs> and your, you and your hooligan friends are sneaking into the bar when you're underage. Yeah. But I mean, wow, what a time to be sneaking into. The, I mean, that was sort of obviously there's always been great music in the Twin Cities, you know, mm-hmm. on both sides of the freeway everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when we talk about the history of sort of the cool alt rock nature of our Twin Cities, that's really its nascency. That's that. That's the crucible. And there you were sneaking in underage. That must have been mind bending, eye opening, and 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 thrilling. 
I had never seen a band sweat so much <laughs> as the suburbs. Mm. I I was amazed. And I all that I had never seen too. anything. Yeah. Yeah. But to see it in person, yeah. I mean, you know, you in magazines they had stuff uh, like cream and all that. They had they had stuff about the the punks in England, right. you know, and pictures of that. But to actually be in the same room with all these people sweating, flop sweat, yeah. and and <laughs> um, that to this day, I love being well. I now we have COVID and things like that. <laughs> of course, I know <laughs> what you I mean. mean just the idea of, and it, not a huge, you know, not necessarily a full main room, you know, although yeah. that's a blast. It is a blast, but, but some of the greatest shows I've ever seen are, have been in the 7th Street entry yeah. where you have that, that maximum capacity, you have yeah. that critical density, and when it's all going off like that, it's beautiful, it's terrifying, mm-hmm. it's potentially dangerous, mm-hmm. and it's literally life-changing. And you are sharing it with these people... Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, these people are the same people, with the exception of some who have passed, you know, passed Mm on, um, who are going out today to see all the, you know, to see all the bands Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's, uh, it's a shared experience, you know, the whole punk rock thing. And it, you know, not even punk rock. I mean, the Jayhawks. You know, I I used to see them in the entry when mm-hmm. the entry was barely half full. Right. You know, um, but it was a shared experience. You know, we're in this together. Well, I mean, it, it it was a scene. It was an. I mean, and I know again, like that also sounds cheesy. Yeah. But a scene matters, right? I mean, these are your mm-hmm. people. And again, I'm going to make it sound even cheesier. Mm-hmm. It's a tribe. It, yeah. you know, it, it is. There, is. There is ritual. There is ceremony. Mm-hmm. There is familiarity. There's hierarchy, like it or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it yeah. is It is a tribe. We're going to talk more about that and your ascendancy through that tribe and what you've been up to over these recent years. But we can't go too far without hearing a song on this podcast. Being a radio guy, it makes me itchy if we go too long without hearing a song. Plus, I'm excited to hear these songs. These are your most recent efforts from your latest EP. Tell me about the latest EP briefly, because we'll talk more about it coming right. up in just a bit. And tell me about this song right here. Uh the EP, which um, I released to Bandcamp last year, uh, it's called New Tricks, mm-hmm. five songs. Um, uh, it is actually going to be released uh, by a label in Boston uh, in the spring here and with an additional couple songs that I'm actually recording this weekend with Steve Price. I know Steve Price. Yeah. So, um Yeah. And and this song, um, I I wear my influences on my sleeve, and you will be able to tell when you hear this.
Devil's in the details. Cindy Lawson on the Brian Oak Show. Now, you say you wear your influences on your sleeve. Certainly, there are touchstones there. But when you were growing up, you know, going from the R&B stuff you listened to as a kid, delving through the, the sort of halcyon age of AM radio, getting to see all the punk rock live and in person as it unfolded in its unbelievable, mm-hmm. beautiful, messy, myriad forms. What specifically were you hanging on to right there? Or what are the things that you still, like when you sit down to write a song, you're like, I wonder if so-and-so would like this. I mean, what are the things that still you feel are defining to the way you approach your songwriting? I, well, you know, I'm a huge Ronnie Spector fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, melody's obviously crucial to you, right? Yeah, see, I... I thought about this, and it's really hard for me to write like a a dissonant kind of of just rock W or R A W K. You're saying you're <laughs> you know? saying that you're not you don't have a Zen arcade in you, is what you're telling I me. I don't, and uh, there's damn, nothing wrong with I that. I wish no. I do you. I what's wrong with writing beautiful melodic pop songs? Well, you know, see, that's it. I fall back. To the melody, I always do, and that that comes. That's that's got to be all the AM radio, right? All the stuff. I, I mean, don't think there's I, any shame in that game. I, <laughs> I really don't. But you know, you know, I love. Um, you know, we just played with Run Westy Run in mm-hmm. the entry, and it's like, I'm just. How do you do that? <laughs> how do you? You know, there is a gift there. I mean, so oh. for me, Husker Du, the reason they changed my life is I grew up, and the very first records I ever plucked from my dad's collection, the Beatles, the Birds, and the Beach Boys, right? Mm-hmm. So Melody was these three Bs. Melody was crucial to yep. what informed the things I would fall in love with. Yeah. And then I heard Husker Du, and it shattered everything I thought mm-hmm. I knew about music. However, the reason that I, I gravitated towards that band as opposed to all these other hardcore bands that were mm-hmm. proliferating at the time, mm-hmm. even at their most discordant, even at mm-hmm. their angriest and their most blinding, there was never, they never lost a sense of Melody. There was That's always- Grant Hart. It, it's great, but it's that, also, I mean, Bob, they they both, now Grant, of course, had a much deeper love of pop music yeah. than I think Bob did, but they both, they, there was always melody happening in every yeah. song. Oh, man, I listened to a couple of Grant songs this morning. Makes me sad. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, moving forward here before we get to talking about mm-hmm. what the new year looks like for you and more about the new EP. So we go from you being a ne'er-do-well, sneaking into clubs <laughs> when you're <laughs> underage. Um, but I mean... Dangerous and exciting, man. That, that, that to me, that sounds like I don't know, like Andy Warhol's factory. I love those stories. Um, but then you go from there at some point to being like, okay, I'm watching this, being dazzled by it. Mm-hmm. F that, I'm going to do it. Is yeah. the Clams your first effort, or were there other bands before the Clams? I had, um, I, I sang in in some top forty bands. Yeah, you know, and because. I I knew all the songs. Right. It was easy to do, mm-hmm. super easy money, you know. And I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. And um, but then you know, seeing all these bands, um, also, uh, uh, this was probably around. Um, this was later. Uh, seeing bands like Tet Noir, mm-hmm. and and they would come out and. And, you know, this is us. We've created this. And and I was like, I want to create something. I don't want to be a human jukebox anymore. And and so that's when 
it was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, you know, and I, I, I love the Bell Stars. I don't know if you remember them. Um, they were all female band. Yep. And I thought I want to put together a funky band like the Bell Stars. Well, I ended up with with a band that had a, just a bunch of rockers in it, which is <laughs> fine because you know it's like no matter what you do, even if you think it's going to sound like something else, it always ends up sounding like you, you know, and mm-hmm. and um and yeah and and. <laughs> It was wonderful. Minneapolis was a wonderful place to be. You know, all the bands we played with, man. Well, I mean, and you're talking, I mean, we're talking about, in my humble opinion, again, again, I was a teenager. I mean, you can look up at that painting on the wall right there. 1984 (laughs) is the year Let It Be came out, right? It's also the year Zen Arcade came out, the year that Mm -hmm. so many incredible records, Love is the Law by the Suburbs, and so many records. And I mean, this is when the Clams are doing their thing. Much like, I suppose, every scene that ever starts to happen, that starts to bubble up, right? There are always going to be those who are heralded higher than others. At every time I've ever read anything online about the clams, which I'll admit has not been that often, but probably a good half dozen, people always say this was the band that didn't get their shot because mm-hmm. when we talk, well, when we talk about your, I mean, you got your shot and you got to play, right? And you got a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I guess didn't get their due because you created great songs. You had incredibly energetic live shows. So I guess what I want to ask you is, do you think that being an all-female act, and there have been great all-women bands, right? Obviously, Mm -hmm. I I am not echoing my sentiment, but I think even to this day, in the modern, enlightened age that we live in, when it's an all-female act, especially top to bottom, not produced by anybody else, not run Mm -hmm. by anybody else, doing their own thing, there are still people because they are so stuck in this old mindset. Not everyone, but especially back in what, 1982, 83, 84. I think that there's this notion that there's something of a novelty edge to it, right? Mm-hmm. Because look at them girls. They're doing a great <laughs> job up there. They're well, she can really play that bass. <laughs> I didn't know a woman could play drums. Wow. I mean, and obviously cute. we're overstating it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that had to be a li- that, that had to be part of what you ran into, right? We ran into that. A lot. Um, and I, we, we morphed from kind of a band that we learned, you know, as Billy Batson would say, we learned to play our instruments on stage, mm-hmm. you know? That's what punk rockers do. Yes. <laughs> That's the nature of the game. We, we went from that to towards the end, we were... We really got into the Stones, T-Rex, New York Dolls kind of glam rock thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that had we done things like take a couple months break every once in a while, get away <laughs> from each other, you know, just kind of be able to step back. Because when you're in a band with three other people... Yeah. You're ma- you're married mm-hmm. to those people. That's a four way marriage. Yeah, I don't even and, really always love the two way marriage yeah. I'm involved in. It's a lot of and, counseling. Oof. <laughs> and and um, I think if we would have just just hung in there a little bit longer, yeah. been a little more strategic mm-hmm. as far as recording versus live playing, the the tendency you get such great feelings when you play live you you get that yeah yeah, you get that immediate feedback so we loved playing live we would play we played 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 and we didn't record that much and i think that was uh was probably one of the reasons why you know things didn't go so you know but but everything that happens to you in your life brings you to this point now right you know, and and I am so proud of what we did. And um, as a matter of fact, the, the label that is going to put out the EP is also going to put out a retrospective. I was going to say, I mean, uh, doesn't cool. it seem like it's I mean, so I work for a guy <laughs> at a record store who just released um, uh, Material Issues, uh, mm-hmm. International Pop Overthrow. <gasps> it's never been released domestically on vinyl. And it's one wow. of the great power pop american things that ever happened but i mean now seems like an ideal time (laughs) for a reissue or retrospective of what the clams had to do lou mansdorf at rumbar records Mm -hmm. um 
I met him through Georgia Conley Rahman, who uh, is also uh, Bibi Galini, Miss Georgia Peach, The Short Fuses. She's an incredible artist and songwriter. I was scared the only time I ever saw The Short Fuses oh. perform live at the 7th Street entry. <laughs> the, the dynamism and the, yeah. the, I mean, again, not anger. There was no fighting. There was nothing oh, no. like that. But the, oh, the no. fact that the, the room felt like it could go off at any yeah. minute, it was one of the most cool and dynamic shows yeah. I've ever seen. So yeah. sorry to interrupt, but please no. continue. She's she's a force. Oh, my she, God. She can write in, you know, she can write a a punk song, a hard rock song, a 60s garage rocker. She's immensely talented. Mm-hmm. And uh, in March, her single with Blaine Cartwright of Nashville Pussy is going to be released. Wow. It's called You Blow My Mind. Um, I can't remember the flip side, but that is coming out on Rumbar and and she can do it all. Country. She can do it all. So, I mean, so. is your EP available mm-hmm. now if people just want to go online and listen to it? It It is available online. Can they go um, to Bandcamp, Bandcamp and buy it? They can buy it on Bandcamp. It's also on Spotify and it all is. those other okay. online but, things. So when you talk about it getting released, are we talking right. about like a hard physical copy? Yes. Excellent. Yes. Um, he'll be uh, releasing uh, the CD plus uh, the retrospective of the Clam CD. And, um, also we have, uh, we did a video for this last song that you played, Devils mm-hmm. in the Details, and yeah. we'll have a world premiere for that, and that's all coming up in the spring. Okay, so that'll all be on the way. Yes. So if people want to pay attention to it now, though, and be ready for it, <laughs> what, what is ground zero for your music and your artistic output? Like, if people want to know, like, okay, the video sounds awesome, where the fuck am I going to go find it, yeah. Cindy? Where am I going to find it, Cindy? <laughs> Where do people go to find your stuff? Um, well, as I said, uh, the EP is on Bandcamp. Okay. I was also, uh, I had a band called Whoops Kitty in the 90s. Right. Um, uh, but for right now, Cindy Lawson yeah. on Bandcamp is where people should go. Yes, yes. Okay, good. Just, yes. I mean, because there are going to be people. Is the video on YouTube then, or what's. No, not yet. Okay. It is, it is not released yet. Okay. But, I mean, you know so. how we are. Like, I mean, not just the news cycle, but the whole consumption of art and expression cycle has gotten so radical. People are going to hear this and be like, what do you mean, wait till spring? By then, I'll, yeah. be, on to, I'll be on to something no one's even heard of right, yet. Right, Some right. experimental German spoon music or whatever, like, whatever it might be. It's coming back. Nice. Man. Yeah. Like, oh, just you wait. It is. Uh, that's why yeah, I, well, that's why I put all my cryptocurrency <laughs> oh, in German no. spoon Thanks, music. Matt Damon. Let's... Matt Damon, yeah. <laughs> Does he do so crypto? I'm... Oh god. He's he doing a commercial, commercial right now. Yeah. Oh, really? It's I've seen Matt Damon. I, what do, which which currency is it? Do we know which cryptocurrency is it? Is it Ethereum? It's just I think it's just he just says crypto. Bitcoin? Oh. You know fortune. Oh, you know what it probably is? It's one of those wallets where you can buy all the different types of crypto. Are you guys not familiar with non-fungible tokens? No. Do we need no. to talk about the blockchain? No, let's not do oh, that. God, please. please don't. Please. I know what we should do instead. Let's hear another. <laughs> please the, play the, another song. The look on both your faces was fantastic. <laughs> Cindy, uh, the EP New Tricks will be out. It's available now, obviously, on Bandcamp and all mm-hmm. the streaming places. I just like to get artists money whenever possible, so go buy that on Bandcamp if you're interested. But it is going to be available uh, in physical form. Yes. People can purchase and hold and revere the artifact coming yes. up in the spring. In the meantime, though, tell me about this song right here. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one inspired uh, by. Uh, it it kind of kicked the door open when I watched uh, the documentary um, of Dylan Farrow um, and her experience, you know, mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and this kind of kicked the door open, um, a little bit, uh, as far as, um, you know, sexual abuse. So <laughs> that's a real downer. Woohoo! No, it's not a downer. Yeah. It's, it's something that we should be raising our voices about <laughs> higher and higher all the time. This isn't party central. This is about yeah. talking about whatever matters to the guest who's here yep. and to raising awareness. So, you know, there is, I, we could, we could talk about that all day. That might be a downer, but yeah. hearing a song about it, I think is always important.
Cindy Lawson. I'm not the only one from New Tricks, the latest EP, which is available on Bandcamp, but will be coming out in physical form, an actual tangible artifact <laughs> before much longer. Not non-fungible. No, not non-fungible. In Definitely fungible. Exceptionally fungible. Yeah, no. <laughs> Screw the blockchain. All right. This is not that's <laughs> this is not a cryptocurrency, although from what I understand, Cindy, there's some money to be made in crypto right now. You know, Matt Damon says fortune oh. favors the bold. Right. Does it? Yeah. I haven't guy. seen that commercial. I've actually met him and he was I was actually pleasantly surprised at what a normal nice guy was. Fucking and now Matt I hate Damon. him. Fucking Matt Damon. <laughs> you got you guys are both so mad you and at Matt Damon. fucking crypto. You know, I got enough worries of regular me. cash. He disappoints <laughs> me, me on a daily basis. And yeah. his mother is a teacher. I know. He should know better. He, you know, at first I thought he was really cool. We used to play Fuck Mary Kill. Yeah. With with the the cast oh. of Ocean's 11. Go on. You know? I'm listening. And we would always marry Matt Damon. Really? The group of us. We would always marry him. Huh. You know? Not George, not Ben. No. We would marry Matt Damon. Yeah. Not anymore. What about Don Cheadle? Don Cheadle oh. seems like a very nice guy. Love Don Cheadle. When, yeah, I, when I met him, I said, and this had been five or six years since Goodwill Hunting, I said, have you thought about writing another show? <laughs> and he goes, Sean, um, have you seen the movies that I'm making and that I'm actually the lead and I just get to go act in them? Yeah. I said, yeah. He goes... I'm doing fine with that right now. <laughs> and nope, then I, then nope. I got kind of mad at him even more because it's like, oh, it is just about the money. I thought yeah. it was that you were a creative like, guy. But think about moving. I mean, like moving forward, like you get to do just the fun part. Yes. And you don't have to do, worry about it. Like, because once you write, then you're also, whether you like it or yep. not, you're a producer. Yep. And you are involved. You're on the phone all night, yeah, all the time. Your, it's your heart and soul yes. out there. That's why I love it when Curtis, A... Asked me to sing with him. Yeah. Because I get to ride the coattails of mm. this legend <laughs> right, and right. be entertained. I'm as entertained standing on stage next to him as I would be in the audience. Yep. But I mean, he is, again, when I told you earlier that one of my, the best compliments I can pay someone is that there's not anyone else like you, mm-hmm. there's not anyone else like Curtis. No. Say. No. And that that is a Treasure. singular individual right there in many different regards. Before we hear more of your music, mm-hmm. um, so let's talk post clams, right? Clams, you said there could have been some better decisions made. Yeah. It could have gone different directions. Who knows? You can't you can't rewrite the past, right? Like what's happened has happened. But then at some point you start moving on to another band, and at some point you start getting lured out to the East Coast. Is right. that right? What right. happened there? Um, went out to the East Coast. Played with some, you know, as I like to refer to them as bold-faced names okay. in the business. Um, Look at you not even dropping a single name. No, Look at you. well, and and this is why. Um, it did not end well. I understand. And um, I came back to Minneapolis where it's safe and I knew people and I loved them and... Um, had another, you know, uh, played with Lori Ray for a little while, um, and then Lori put, Ray isn't Big Red Ball, is she? No, that is Lisa Ray. Lisa Ray. Yeah. All right. Very good. Thank you. Um, Lori Ray played. Uh, she played uh, with the Dig, not the Twenty Seven Various. Okay. And she had a single out with the Dig and um, Jayhawks. It was like a double sided single. Wait, all singles would be double Well, they're all double, but they're not, they're not all double A-sided or split singles where two different bands do it. A split single. There yes. we go. Yep. Yes. Yep, yep. Classic. They're non-fungible. Yeah. How dare you, Sean? <laughs> you guys are so mad um, at crypto right now. No, I... What happened to me in New York, I think, is what has probably happened to 99% of women and men... Two, um, when they don't know how to how to stick up for themselves right. or don't know how to um, defend them, to, I, I uh, they don't know how to move on or yeah. move past it. Okay, and and um, I I was just kind of crushed and came back. Um, uh, 
but then, you know, got to play with uh, Jerry Lefkowitz and Brent Hansen, who I play with now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Do you Amy play with McCullough. Jerry right now? Yeah. What yeah, a nice we, guy. We, oh, t- I mean, right. He's he's the best. He he brings he's got his own unique take on things and and I can th- I can throw something at him. I can say, "Let's play this Johnny Cash song, but let's play it kind of upside down." And he'll just it just flows out of him just naturally. Collaborate the right collaborators are important, oh, aren't they? I mean, trust. You, He's great. You can be as smart and clever and good and articulate and creative as you want, but mm-hmm. man, if you find the right people to work with, there's mm-hmm. nothing else like it. Well, and Sean, the- yeah, keep looking, Brian. Oh. <laughs> it's just right, right in my feelings, but but it's like to have. So I have Jerry Lefkowitz. I have Brent Hansen, who um, uh, I played with back then, and then went on to play with House of Large Sizes, right. And awesome yeah iowa band uh-huh um and i have dave randall who's in many many bands and each of those guys bring all their own crazy individual influences and you know i can bring in a framework and they will you know put a little touch here can we change this or can we move this and add that and um it's uh it, the collaborative, you know, being in a band, it, it's it's like a warm hug. Well, but you, I mean, you, but you seem to have embraced very strongly getting back into what that really means. Because, I mean, you took right. a respectable amount of time off from making any yeah. kind of music at all, didn't you? How long were you not making music? Uh, for, I think for the most part from uh, 2000, well, I think the last concert was maybe... Or last gig was maybe 2004. Okay. Um, so, I mean, just this side of 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. And so that's a long time to be away from it. There had to be times where, I mean, we all grow older, right? And we mm-hmm. all change and we all evolve and the circumstances of our life change. There had to be days where you didn't even think about it, but then there had to be days where you got that pang in your gut like, I'm supposed to be rocking on stage yeah, right no, now. no, never. Really? Never. Really? I, I, it was kind of a delayed reaction. Hmm. From a previous trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and during those years, I could not, I didn't even know who that person was that was up on stage. Who in the mm. world would get up on stage like that? <laughs> That's insane. Really? And I, I ran into, I remember during those years, I ran into Michelle Leon, played with Babes in Toyland. Mm-hmm. And she was writing her memoir then. So um, this is probably maybe mid-2000s or something. And um, and I, and I she goes, people always ask me if I want to play again. And I'm like, I don't want to play again. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to play again either. Really? You know, but then a couple of years ago, she started playing again. Well, of know? course. But I mean, it, the, the triggers for those sorts of things have got to be different for everyone, right? Yeah. Like I can see wanting to get away from it. When I got fired from my previous radio gig, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? 20 plus years is a long ass time. It's time to try something else. Yeah. And I didn't really want to. And then not so long ago, an opportunity came up. I'm like, well, let's give it a shot again. So I wasn't gone for 18 years. Right. But what what would you say was the, and obviously it's, it's a culmination of many factors, right? And it's yeah. a lifetime of experience and all these different things. But at some point you had to be like, you know what? Fuck it. I am going to play again. Yeah. Do you remember when that happened? I think uh, the pandemic had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was taking, I, I decided for myself not to get out and play, but just for myself, I was going to take guitar lessons from Keith Patterson. Um, so, uh, both Kurt and Keith, incredibly supportive. Um, and then I thought, okay, yeah, maybe, you know, and then Bryn Arns, would keep bugging me mm-hmm. every couple of years. He's going, like, when are you going to get a band together? Right. When are you going to play? What's happening here? Talk about forces of danger. That guy's a weirdo yeah. who I yeah. love very deeply. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, There's no one else like Bryn Arns. No, in there. no, no, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just kept, it, it, these people just kind of poking me and poking me. Yeah. And, and, and then the pandemic, and I think this world is 
coming to an end somehow and yeah. all I'm doing is going to work and coming home and my kids are grown and God, you know, it, it it's like I got to have something to work towards, know. to feel yeah. about. Right. Yep. I wow. got to create my own happiness. Well, and that's what you've been doing. So <laughs> how, how did the EP come together? You, you had saw, had you been like, had you been kicking any songs around years earlier? Did they all come in a flurry of a week and a half? Where, where did this EP come um, from? The songs kind of came together in a couple weeks. I pulled together, um, Jerry and Brent and um, and Keith Patterson and and I said, okay, we're going to get together, we're going to practice, and we're going to record. And they're like, you know, and it wasn't even really a band yet, but I'm like, we're going to do these. And I brought in Steve Price, who is a master of the pop melody. Incredible! It's like we have the same, you know, you know, when you have the same references, Mm -hmm. the same, you know, and it's like. Oh, he's just... He gets it. He does. And he came in and he he produced the songs. We recorded the songs. And then and then I like asked the guys, I'm like, should we play out? You know, should we actually like, you know... <laughs> what do you guys want to do? Yeah, yeah. It was really a question. Do we want to keep going from here? Right. Because I didn't want to force anybody into it. Right. Because you, you get to be this age... And nobody is going to tell you what to do anymore, no. you know? So, yeah. So it was like, hey, you know, I think I want to keep this going. And if you want to come, come along. Well, so. we have a mutual friend in John Clifford, who I know oh, is uh, one of the kindest and most important people. Yep. You know, whenever, like, I, I think of, I'm trying to think, I wish, I, I want to call him something better than this because he's more than Loring Park, but that's where his shop is. Right. But, like, the Pope of Loring Park. The, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the Pope of West Downtown, right? Yes. I mean, like, there's yes. just that guy. There's nobody quite as positive or kind as that man is, but as wedded to this community in mm-hmm. in many, many different ways. The tendrils and the various angles and, and threads run so very, supportive. very deeply. Mm-hmm. He's an incredibly supportive guy, and I know that he's a gigantic fan of yours as well. So oh, I'm a fan of his, yeah, definitely. Same. He's one of, the, one of the true greats in town here. So you've gotten back together. You played these songs. These mm-hmm. songs are available now. Cindy Lawson, go find it on Bandcamp. Yeah, you could stream it. But don't do that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not it. it's not like she's going to be buying a yacht from the proceeds <laughs> of this. OK, I would love it if she would. But you can go ahead and go buy these songs. Give them a listen first and then decide what you think. But if you can support an artist, that's what this is about. Like, Sean, you doing your real estate, right? Yeah. Where every time you sell or buy a home working for a diner realty, you're providing a portion to a local artist of the buyer or seller's choice. Yeah, artist or band. You get to decide. Just call six one two eight five nine two five. That number is textable as well. But yeah, I've been doing that for the last year. That's to, so awesome. To help all, thank you. To help all these artists through uh, the pandemic. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just going to keep doing it. So I was just going to do it for 2021. And I'm like, right. you know what? Let's keep going. Yeah. Because people are still aching to perform and they're still struggling. And there are many artists like this is a this is a big part of their income, mm-hmm. you know, and just to be able to let them create. It's a drop in the bucket what we're donating. But I, I'm also so Please, every time I get like a thank you note from an artist, like, oh, oh my gosh, thank so you so generous. much for this. So, yeah. well, well, but, but you say it's a drop in the bucket, but it's crucial because when we're talking about buy the record on Bandcamp, that's not going to make you independently wealthy, right? But when that comes from there, when something else comes from there, when someone goes to the website and buys a T-shirt, when, you're, and in our case, like when we have a Patreon member who's like, I can really only afford to give you $2 a month, that's right. fine. With a bunch of people who do it at the same time, you're literally helping us get the equipment that we have in this room to keep this podcast alive to be able to have our own dedicated studio and to be able to continue the work and the conversations and the music promotion that we do here so every little bit helps so i applaud your efforts there as well man thank you i think we're all three at that age where you kind of know who you are and for me i'm like okay well i know that i want to strengthen my best relationships i know i want to have incredible experiences and i know i want to give back the end Awesome. Like it's not, you know what I mean? So, so like you, you had talked before, like there's this gray area of life and accepting people and all that. I just know for me, I need to do those three things. And if I'm doing anything away from them, it's not going to make me happy. So wow. do what you know makes you happy and help other people along the way. And 
and have some fun. And if your intentions are good, things tend to work out. Let's so. get that number one more time. 612-859. I feel like we're on a, <laughs> Come on. a telethon now. Oh, yeah. 612-859-2594. We just need four more sponsors and we should be able to reach our goal for the day. Soft You'll and get a, a t-shirt hey, and As a guy a who worked at both and public television and yes, public radio. Yes, you did. Yes, you uh, did. A tote bag. That's why we oh, had fucking yeah, tote, tote bags yep. on this show. Exactly. But even before I worked at NPR, I did work over at TPT2, and I was on oh. the pledge drive a couple times. Uh, because I was the resident nerd, I um, I was the guy for, for about 14 years who did Coming Up Tonight on TPT2, <gasps> Masterpiece Theater, blah, blah. Wow. And so I just worked there part-time, but they had me do a couple of pledge drives, and man, you go down there on Doctor Who night, and uh, <sighs> and every single person who's answering the phones, God bless their hearts, They're, but all dressed up in their Tom Baker scarves and their various <laughs> nice. Doctor Who outfits. Nice. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, Aww. it was, it was an eye-opening experience. So, looking ahead, before we say goodbye, because we do have to wrap things up, Cindy. Mm-hmm. Looking ahead, you've got the EP. It's coming out in its physical form later on this spring. People can pay attention over at Bandcamp to keep on track of that. What does live performing look like? Because right now, Omicron seems to be a drag, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, things are obviously extremely tenuous. Let's say we keep it in check your ideal look at what it would be like in the coming year. Would you like to get out? And this is also a dumb question, I guess. Do you expect to get out and play these songs live for people in the not too distant future? We have, um, we don't have any shows scheduled in the near future. Uh, you know, we've had some, we have, we have a couple of postponed things. Um, just fingers crossed that we all, get through this and and we're in minnesota so mm-hmm. you know looking really forward to those outdoor shows um i love to play live yeah i i do you still love, so, again, love it but for a while though you said you brought up a very interesting point you're like i don't give a shit if we play anymore i don't give a shit about writing any new music but then at some point obviously it came back What's the draw? Is it is it the feedback loop of people and you and you and people and or is it like a these are my songs or is it I am a mighty golden <laughs> god? Behold me, behold me. Uh, seriously though, I mean, what what is it that that draws you? To, because it didn't draw you there for a long time, right? And now you're back. I think, as I said, I I have turned sixty. As I have said before i feel like menopause is my superpower wow i i have not ever heard anyone describe it, it that way it is my superpower Good for I, you. I feel bulletproof now really? you know i've been through as as many women my age i'm not holding myself up to be you know but been through a lot mm-hmm. you know have have weathered a lot of mm-hmm. storms and i feel right now like I I love getting up on stage and I love representing for 60-year-old women. That's awesome. You know? That's so great. It's like I've had just so many so many women come up to me and they're like, "Oh man, this is great. This makes me feel so good." You've you know? inspired so many people and women especially, and that's so cool. Like well, what a great legacy. It's like it, it, I'm not just going to roll over and die or disappear <laughs> yeah. because women of a certain age are invisible in this society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had an experience where I walked into a, a, this was maybe 10 years ago, walked into a music store to find something for one of my kids and was completely ignored. Oh. No one came up to me and I left the place in tears. Um but I, I saw um, Grace and Frankie, I think, in, in their yes. first season, they mm-hmm. have, there was one scene where they were at a grocery store and they were waiting for the checkout guy and the checkout guy was watching some young girl and they were like, hello, and then they just took a bunch of shit and walked <laughs> out. And it's like, so great. you know, yeah. just... So if you want to know the musical or live performance philosophy of Cindy Lawson, she's going to take your shit and she's going to walk right out if you don't See pay attention. See me or exactly. lose your shit. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> when you do start throwing shows on the calendar, where yes. is that calendar? Where will people be able to find that? Um, I Social media? Yes, I will be setting up. Um, 
like you said, pe- when people listen to this, they're going to go, I have no patience to wait around for this. But really, yeah. I don't have a website yet, but I will. Great. I don't Area. have t-shirts com. yet, but I will. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're familiar with social media or the information superhighway, Cindy, but there's a tremendous amount happening over there right now. Yeah. Um, all right, good. No. Well, we'll keep people in touch. Thank and you. when we all get past Omicron bullshit 2.0, wherever we're yeah. at, and things start to amp up for you and you do have the physical product, do you promise? at some point you'll come back and we can do this again oh absolutely we yeah. love it love yeah. to have you back I would love again to. you yes, realize this is on you. tape right there's yeah. no backing out now you're legally <laughs> obligated you yes. know that right yes would you mind signing Fully. this quick document <laughs> also this non-disclosure agreement <laughs> exactly. we can't oh, talk nothing. about anything that happens in the smart start mn <laughs> exactly. studio the new ep the latest ep is called new tricks <laughs> and it is available now all the places you stream get over to Bandcamp. cindy lawson thank you very much we are going to end this show with the track that opens your EP and I would like to know about this song. It actually ends the EP although oh, on Spotify. When, when I brought it up on Spotify right, it was the first it's one. It's the first one. Okay. Which is weird because I I am a devotee mm. of sequencing on an say, album. That's a lot of French I, words in one well, sentence right there. I really believe in the power of because I'm a '70s yep. kid, right? That's how you listen. It's, it's all you about the You put it on and you experience yeah. the the artifact. The you experience the, the story. The way that they intended you to listen mm-hmm. to it. Listen, when you go and read Deuteronomy in the Bible, you can't just pick <laughs> chapters at random. No, there's stories. I say, if being I said told. that once, I've said it a hundred times. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what the hell? Where'd that come? From? <laughs> no, I'm just so, thinking you, you don't get to pull yeah, things I out know, of order. I know, especially in Deuteronomy. And not to name drop again, but I also reached out to Peter Jesperson again about sequencing because yeah. he is a sequencing nerd too. He's been at he's, it a while. He's strongly. <laughs> I mean, it's an art right? when yeah. you when you see it, an it album. It is an art. The, yeah. So, um, no. So this is actually the last album on the EP if you buy it on. So this is the last song on it, yeah. not the first song. So me and my big fucking mouth. No, all, no, 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 I no, did, no, no, Because here's the thing. I didn't download, but apparently if I had, it might have still been in the wrong order. In any event, the important no. question is, first of all, Happy New Year to you, Cindy. Thank you. And Happy New Year. Thank, thank you, Thank you, for Sean. Being here. Thank you. Sorry. Sometimes it gets chaotic towards the end of this, especially <laughs> when we're recording at the end of the week like this. Um, tell me about this song before we say goodbye. Uh, this is basically a song where I tried to write a R a WK rock type of song. <laughs> All right. Um, kind of uh, Stooges kind of song. Nice. And it's basically, I mean, it, it's it's basically about the, the you know, everything that, that has happened with um, George Floyd. And so. It's been a hard few years. Yeah. It's been a hard few years. Been, Good luck to you, Cindy. Happy yeah, New Year. Thank you. Thanks Happy again. New Year. This you one's guys. called I'm Loaded.
You use the law to cover up your lies.